Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, according to recent studies, more than a third of all Americans don't get the recommended amount of sleep each night. And so it's a problem. But our, our country's problem with sleep actually goes much deeper than that. About one in five Americans have a diagnosed sleep disorder, such as insomnia or sleep apnea. And countless others rely on, on medication or medical intervention of some sort in order to be able to sleep at all. And so this apparent sleep crisis has been linked to, to various health conditions that are prevalent in our country, such as obesity or depression or anxiety, just to name a few. And what's more, insufficient sleep and its effect on our health, our health as a country, is estimated to cost our economy over $400 billion each and every year. Suffice it to say, a lack of sleep is a big problem. But I think our sleep problem is really only a symptom of a much deeper issue, which is an overall lack of rest in our lives. Rest, of course, means more than just a physical state of sleep. Rest, I would say, is an overall condition in life, a physical and emotional and spiritual condition of being able to find those natural and healthy rhythms of work and rest, true rest. And for those who lack rest in their lives, it's not as simple as just setting the alarm clock an hour later in the morning. There's so many things in life that can burden us, that can weigh us down in both mind and soul and rob us of the rest that we need. People today lack rest for all sorts of reasons. One reason is just because of the pressures and the busyness of life. Our, our nights and our days are so full of trying to keep up with all the demands of our personal and our professional obligations, whether it's taking care of kids or grandkids or elderly parents or paying bills or getting done just all the things that are on our never-ending to-do lists. In addition to that, I don't think we always notice that the toll that technology can take on us, whether it's the, the phone in our pocket or the email on our computer or the news that's always on our TV. It keeps us feeling not only constantly connected and on alert, but an obligation to be constantly connected and on alert. And if you don't believe me, just try walking around one day without a cell phone and feel how vulnerable you might feel without it. It's amazing. What's more, while there's nothing new with strife and evil and worries in this world, what is new is that we have constant access to the strife and evil and worries in this world. And they are instantly inserted into our lives through technology. The constant news cycle, the, the TV that we always have on in the living room, or maybe the social media feed that we're constantly scrolling through. All of these things can deprive us of the rest that our brain and our hearts need. It wears us down. Others lack rest because of interpersonal conflict. Relationships with, with family and friends are obviously the most cherished things, but they can also uh, be less than ideal at times. And because of that, they can be, bring the greatest amount of pain and stress and hurt. Or the many people who are dealing with health concerns or mental health issues 
or maybe they're grieving the loss of a loved one. These things, when they happen in our lives, they weigh so heavily on us, so much so that we find it hard to focus on anything else. Of course, we know the ultimate source of all of this conflict and worry and pain in our lives, the reason these things exist in the first place, and that's because of sin. It could be our own direct sin, which, which immediately causes grief or sorrow, or it could be the, the sin of others against us, or it's just simply living in a fallen and sinful world. We are all fallen and imperfect and sinful creatures, and we are all contributing to the general dysfunction of this world in ways that we, that we know of and also in ways that we aren't even aware And it's not like we can break this cycle of sin, even if we try. That's what makes sin such a heavy burden, like like Deanna was talking about in our children's message today. It's why it causes so much sorrow, that there's this constant spiritual warfare going on. And it's not just like it's out there somewhere, but it's right here. It's within each and every one of us. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in our epistle reading today. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, he says, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Does that spin cycle of sin sound familiar to you? I'm sure we've all done things before and then think to ourselves afterwards, well, why did I do that? Or we know full well what it is we're about to do and we do it anyway. And that only causes us further regret and sorrow. And it's exhausting. It's tiring. It wearies us and wears us down. It causes us a lack of rest. And to be perfectly honest, this sin, the sin that is ours, as well as the the sin that's out in this world, it will quite literally be the death of us, both physically and spiritually. The wages of sin is death. And Paul realizes this. That's why he exclaims in our epistle reading, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And that's why. That's why Jesus' words in our gospel reading today are so important to hear. Jesus says to each of us, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's exactly what we need to hear, not only today, although we do need to hear it today, but every single day of our lives. Jesus is the one who gives true rest. But an important question needs to be asked and answered at this point before we go any further. And the question is this, what kind of rest does Jesus give? You see, I think so often when we hear the word rest, our minds may think of more like a break, like a, like a break during our work day or maybe a day off during the week. I'm sure many of you took advantage of some break time this, this past week with the holiday and all, uh, a chance to pause from our usual routine. And that's always and obviously good and enjoyable. But the problem with thinking about rest like that, or or, or only thinking about rest like that, is that we assume then that that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, I will give you rest. 
But you see, if that's what Jesus means, and given what we talked about earlier with all the things in our lives that are robbing us of rest, then that kind of rest, like a break, doesn't actually solve anything. It's just a break from our labor. All that Jesus is offering is a, is a tiny respite from our otherwise grueling lives. It's like our coming to church here is only meant to be like an hour-long escape in your week before you have to then go back and, and face everything terrible in your week all on your own and until you come back here on Sunday when you come back here for another little rest. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. That definition of rest is too shallow. But what's interesting is that that's the conception, or should I say misconception, of rest that the people in Jesus' day had as well. You see, the people in Jesus' day, they thought they knew all about rest, the Jewish people. You see, they had a whole day of rest that God had provided for them since the days of the Old Testament. It was their Sabbath day. And you see, that is what's at stake here in Matthew's Gospel. Immediately after Jesus talks about rest, come to me all, all who are weary, I will give you rest. Immediately after he says that in Matthew chapter 11, it immediately goes into this time when Jesus is having some important discussions with Pharisees about the Sabbath, about what that was truly all about. And it started when Jesus' disciples started to pluck grain on the Sabbath day, which for them was, would have been Saturday. That was their day of rest. And presumably they were doing that with Jesus' approval. And then right after that, Jesus immediately goes on to, to heal someone on the Sabbath. And this made, all of this made the religious leaders extremely upset because they were looking at the disciples, they were looking at Jesus, and they weren't taking a break like they were supposed to. You see, to them, the Sabbath was just another part of the law that needed to be kept perfectly by them. But the problem was then that the Sabbath wasn't restful for them. It simply became another requirement to do. It was a requirement instead of rest. But Jesus tells them that that's not why they were given the Sabbath. It was given as a way for God's people to experience the fullness of his rest, true rest, to always remember who it was that created them, as well as who it was that saved them. And what's more, God's gift of the Sabbath was always meant to be a signpost pointing them forward to the coming Messiah. The Sabbath was not primarily about a day that we keep, but about a God that we receive. God told Moses all the way back in Exodus chapter 33, my presence will always go with you and I will give you rest. So when God's literal, literal presence in human form came to dwell among us then in the incarnate son of God, we saw that the day of rest was perfectly fulfilled in the, perfect, in the person of rest, Jesus Christ. And Jesus proclaimed to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Because it's Jesus, after all, in whom we find true and perfect and eternal rest. Rest from labors, yes. Rest from the requirements of the law, of course. But most importantly, rest from our constant state of sin and grief and sorrow that burdens our bodies and souls to the point of death. Rest from wondering how it is that we as sinful human beings can possibly live 
and abide with a perfect and holy God. But you see, we have rest from that yoke of sin and death because Jesus willingly placed that yoke upon himself and he carried that heavy burden all the way to the cross and he had it buried with him in the tomb. And so when Jesus rose three days later, he proved once and for all that our heavy burden of sin and death is no more. We don't have to carry it around anymore. When Jesus says he has given us rest, he's saying that something has fundamentally changed now in our lives. Our lives will never be the same. Jesus has forgiven you all of your sins. He has overcome your death. He has given you new life by the Spirit in your baptism. He has freed you from the obligation of having to win that battle that is going on within you between your flesh and your spirit because he already won it by his death and his resurrection. Jesus has taken away from you the consequences of your sin, which is death, and instead given you life, all because Jesus walked out of that tomb alive having done everything to take away your burdens. Your risen Lord says to you, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Jesus isn't saying something like, Well, I'll give you a temporary break, and then you can get back out there and get at it, earning your salvation, or something like that. No, Jesus invites you to find your eternal rest and an eternal peace in him that will never leave you. Take my yoke upon you, he says, and learn from me. Learn that Jesus has taken the heaviest yoke of all your sin and death and in exchange given you a yoke of peace and rest. I am gentle and lowly in heart, Jesus says. In other words, Jesus deals with you gently. He has had mercy on you. He forgives you all of your sins. And even when you die, death will not be victorious over you because he has turned your death into eternal life. And what's more, you will be raised from the grave when he comes again, which means that you have rest for your body and your soul eternally. The yoke Jesus gives is easy, and his burden is light because we don't have to work for it. We've already received it because our faith trusts in him. So then there's one more question to answer for us today, which is, what does it mean then when we seek to keep the third commandment? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, this day of rest. Well, as with all the other commandments, we must avoid turning it into something that we must do in order to earn God's approval or merit, turning it into a requirement instead of rest. Instead, we should see it as yet another instance where God, out of his amazing mercy and grace, has chosen to bless us with his gifts, in this case, the gift of Sabbath rest. Martin Luther explains the third commandment in his small catechism, and he says this, We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. In other words, the point of the Sabbath is not for us to prove to God that we're able to take a break from our labors and avoid work for one day out of the week. That's how the religious leaders viewed it in Jesus' day. 
But you see, what that does is it makes the Sabbath about us and not Jesus. No, the Sabbath is much more than that. It's about Jesus who draws near to us. And as he says, we learn from him. We learn not to despise or neglect the gracious gifts that he has given us through his word and sacraments, but instead cherish them. And so a question that we can ask ourselves is, do our lives reflect the cherishing of God's means of grace? And of course, it starts on a Sunday. When we come to church, do you realize that what we experience here is what we call the divine service? And the reason it's called that isn't, is because it, we're not here first and foremost to serve God, to prove something to him or to earn something from him. You see, that would just turn Sunday into a requirement, not rest. No, it's called the divine service because we realize that here in church, in his house, God has chosen to divinely serve us, poor, miserable sinners that we are. The Father has made us his own in baptism. Jesus has forgiven all of our sins in holy absolution. We are nourished with his word and we are fed and strengthened in his supper. And you see, that then carries us throughout our whole week. We can keep the Sabbath, not just on Sundays, but every day by not neglecting the bountiful ways that God gives us exactly what we need, namely the forgiveness of sins in Jesus, who is our perfect Sabbath rest. We never ask the question, well, what's the, what's the bare minimum that I need to get by in order for a Christian, in order to be a Christian? Like God is happy with us if we simply just want to put in a, an hour or two each week on a Sunday, as if that's what being a Christian is all about. You see, God wants to give us so much more than that. Instead, we come to him every day, Sunday through Saturday, every moment of every day, because we always need what he provides. And God is always faithful to provide it. God gives us true rest. Rest in Jesus that doesn't fade away after an hour. Rest in Jesus knowing that he is with us the entire week, our entire lives. Rest in Jesus that even in the midst of hard and burdensome labor, even in the midst of what may be causing you sleepless nights, even in the midst of sin and death, you know that his rest will always be yours because of everything that Jesus has done for you and that nothing can take it away. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.